Good morning and welcome to another uh, Berean Post devotional podcast. Today we're going to be looking at 1 Corinthians 7 verse 31. Small verse, but I'm just going to jump right into the text. Paul says, the form of this world is passing away. After thoroughly examining the New Testament several times, it's hard to miss the firm belief of the early New Testament writers. They firmly believed that the end of their era was about to happen. Throughout the text, these writers clearly expressed their expectation that the judgment on Israel and the Perusia, the second coming of Christ, would, co- would co-occur. The early followers of Christ held these three fundamental beliefs. First, they firmly believed in the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. Second, they followed Jesus' prophecy, especially regarding the temple's destruction, and as mentioned, as mentioned rather in Matthew 24, Luke 21, and Mark 13. Many scholars interpret these passages as Jesus foretelling the temple and Jerusalem's destruction 40 years after his crucifixion and resurrection. Lastly, these early followers expected Jesus to return soon and establish his reign and kingdom on earth. Paul, profoundly influenced by Jesus, emphasized that the gospel he preached was received from from a divine source and not from men. He was undoubtedly familiar with the teachings of Jesus that were already in circulation during his time. And considering these sayings of Jesus, it's hard not to conclude that the establishment of his kingdom, Christ's kingdom that is, was intimate, suggesting that it would happen swiftly. Though Jesus' specific intent may vary in interpretation, this is how the earliest followers of Jesus understood his words. And why would they not? Jesus was recorded recorded to have said the following, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. That's in Matthew 3, uh, verse 2. He says in Mark 1, 15, The time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the gospel. And then he says also in Mark 9, um, verse 1, He said to them, Surely that um, I say to you that there are some standing here who will not taste death till they see the kingdom of God present with power. And then lastly, there's a statement in Luke where he says, So you also, when you see these things happening, know that the kingdom of God is near. And this is, of course, in referring to Jerusalem being surrounded about by armies. Now, imagine placing yourself in the first century with Paul and the other apostles, standing among them not far from the resurrection of Christ. How would you interpret these words of Jesus? Would you think that his kingdom was far off, perhaps by thousands of years? But returning to the text, based on the teachings of Jesus, we can see Paul's eschatological understanding of the current times. Hence the warning that the form of this world is passing away. It's interesting to note that this is not strictly Paul's perspective, but rather Paul's perspective based on the words of Jesus. Paul was not the only one of the apostles to communicate this sense of imminence about Christ's return and and the establishment of his kingdom. For example, Peter and James encouraged patience among believers while awaiting the coming of the Lord and planning the expectation of its nearness. He says, uh, James says, Be patient, therefore, brethren, until the coming of our Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruits of the earth, waiting patiently for it until it receives the early and latter rain. You also be patient, establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. And that's in James 5, um, verses 7 to 9. Peter says, The end of all things is at hand. Therefore be serious and watchful in your prayers. 
And again, that's 1 Peter 4, 7. And again, in 2 Peter, it's written, Since all of these things are to be absolved, what manner of persons ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness, looking for and hastening the coming of the day of God? And that's found in 2 Peter 3.11-12. And James, he emphasizes patience while awaiting the coming of the Lord as well. He underscores that the nearness of his he underscores the nearness of his coming by stating the coming of the Lord is at hand, and that the judge is metaphorically standing at the door. Peter urges believers to live in anticipation of the coming day of God, implying an expectation of its swift arrival. Peter explicitly mentions that the end of all things is at hand, suggesting a belief in the imminent conclusion of the error. The writings of John, including the Gospel of John, the three epistles, 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, and the book of Revelation, often emphasize eschatological themes and the anticipation of, of, of the end times. Again, to make the point, uh, consider the following text. In 1st John 2.18, he says, Children, it is the last hour, and as you've heard that the Antichrist is coming, so now many Christs have come, many Antichrists have come. Therefore, we know that it's the last hour. He goes on to say in 2 John, For many deceivers have gone out into the world, those who do not confess the coming of Jesus in the flesh. Such a one is a deceiver and the Antichrist. Watch yourselves so that you may not lose what we have worked for, but may win a full reward. And then, of course, lastly in Revelation 1.1, he writes these words, The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave to him, to show to his servants the things that must soon take place. Again, that's Revelation 1.1. In these passages, John cautions the first readers of his writings about, mis the mis about misleading uh, and influences and stresses the need to stay vigilant. He suddenly points towards the anticipation of significant events tied to Jesus Christ's return. When he mentions it is the last hour, it implies that the earliest Christian community believed they were in the final times before Christ's return. The reference to Antichrist indicates they were already encountering opposition and false teaching, underscoring the importance of being watchful and discerning. The warning about deceivers who reject the coming of Jesus in the flesh was a significant concern for the initial audience. It's caution against false teachings urging them to hold firmly to the correct understanding of Christ, the urgency conveyed in these writings reflects the context of their time. And similarly, the phrase, the things, uh, the things that must soon take place in the book of Revelation suggests that the events revealed were expected to unfold shortly after the writing. This emphasis on imminence aligns with the idea that the warnings and prophecies of Revelation were specifically meant for the immediate audience. It is hard to miss the fact that the language used in these passages strongly indicates that the warnings and the prophecies were tailored to address the circumstances and the concerns of the first recipients. It reinforces the notion that they were living in the last days or the last hours before significant eschatological events. But returning to 1 Corinthians 7.31, it's crucial to grasp that Paul's guidance on marriage, singleness, and finding a balance was influenced by his belief in the nearness of Christ's return. He emphasized the shortness of time, much like the other disciples anticipating Christ's imminent return. Their advice was framed with this understanding. 
application. Well, let's pause and explore a captivating idea. The belief of early writers that Christ would return within their lifetime. As we delve into this, it's evident that finding an alternative conclusion is quite challenging. These passages have led people to ponder three distinct perspectives. The first view poses that Jesus and his disciples were mistaken, believing that the current world would soon end and Jesus' kingdom would tangibly manifest in their lifetime. The second perspective suggests that all of Jesus and the other apostles' words about the end time were intended for believers living many years after Jesus Christ's resurrection. The third view posits that Christ did not come and establish it that <coughs> sorry, the third view um, posits that Christ did come and establish a kingdom, and perhaps we've misconstrued his words. Each viewpoint um, presents intriguing questions, possibly by divine design. Extracting a specific application becomes elusive if one adheres to the first view that Jesus was mistaken. However, there's valuable takeaway for those leaning towards the second and the third positions. Regardless of whether the prophecies were meant for the distant future or were partly fulfilled in their context as um, a fundamental truth remains, Regardless of the realm of eschatology, life's earthly and temporal aspects are fleeting. It's about directing our focus towards eternal values and not becoming overly attracted to the fleeting material aspects of this world. Regardless of their expectations concerning the time of Christ's return, Christians should maintain uh, readiness and anticipation. There should be an intrinsic sense of urgency in sharing the gospel, embodying endurance, and patiently awaiting the fulfillment of God's promises, including the entire establishment of his kingdom. These texts encourage us to live in a holy and godly manner. This call is timeless, motivating Christians in any era to live with a profound sense of purpose, preparedness, and spiritual maturity. It's about eagerly anticipating Christ's return while engaging with the world in a way that reflects faith and hope for the manifestation of its redemption and a time when every tear is wiped away.